It's lovely to be here, and uh, you know, I just, on behalf of Fliss and myself, I just want to say thank you for the way you've continued to make us feel welcome here. Also, thank you that you continue to say you're praying for us and, and what have you as we transition out of being the senior pastor. And uh, you know, I just wanted to say also that you know we've been busy and uh, we have. Uh, spoken at a number of churches, we've done a number of leadership days, uh, doing quite a lot of uh, mentoring and coaching and stuff like that, um, which we're enjoying. And uh, uh, we've also, you know, had some fun. We've been on holiday and things like that, and I've got a little more time to devote to the car club and things like that. In fact, the other night, uh, went and uh, spent a bit of an evening with the lads, and... Uh, you know, it got to the point where when it came home time, I decided to leave the car there and, and take a bus home, you know. It was that kind of an evening. I got in terrible trouble the next day, though, because Fliss said, what is that bus doing on our drive? <laughs> boom, boom. The 9.30 thought it was a lot funnier than that, you know. And I've been practicing that all week. Forget about the sermon. I've been practicing the joke all week. Right. Let's pray. Let's get on with it. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you for the, the opportunity to speak. I thank you for the privilege we have in sharing the gospel, sharing the good news about Jesus. And pray now, Lord God, that you would come and that you would pervade everything that I say. Lord God, that you would, Holy Spirit, you would move upon the word. Lord God, that you'd set captives free. You'd bring wisdom and insight. That Lord God, you would, you would bless us. And help us to understand more deeply, more profoundly what that means. And everyone said, Amen. So uh, this is part of the uh, Reveal series. And uh, if you were here last week, you'll know that uh, Denise was up and she did a, a great job. I really just think Denise is coming into her, her, her own. She's always been a good communicator, but I just loved what she had said last week and just thought the structure was so good as well. And just want to, she's not here. So, uh, uh, you know, do, do encourage her when you see her. I just thought she did a great job. And uh, today, my title under the names of God is Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. And this is, again, as, as indeed um, Denise's was, this is a, a little snippet of a verse buried in the Old Testament, and it comes from uh, an occasion, some of you will be familiar with this story possibly, where Moses is leading the children of Israel, they've come out of Egypt where they've been slaves, I'll more about that in just a moment, and they are having a terrible time with this very hostile nation called the Amalekites. They are really uh, persecuting them, and so war breaks out between the children of Israel and the Amalekites. And it, it, uh, it, it transpires that as Moses stands upon this big sort of uh, promontory and raises his hands, raises the, 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 the staff above his head, the children of Israel win. They do well. But when his arms get a bit tired and his arms begin to drop, they start losing. And so everybody says, don't do that, put your hands back up. And poor old Moses is, is getting exhausted. And seriously, in the scripture, it says they had to get a couple of fellas to come and hold his arms up. And he's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, but the hand, you know, he kept, as long as he kept his hands up there, the children of Israel, well, and they, uh, under Joshua's leadership, they ultimately prevailed. When the battle was over, 
as was the custom in those days, Moses built an altar to the Lord in that place, a pile of stones, and made a sacrifice, and he called it Jehovah Nisi. Now, in the, in, the, in the Hebrew, it means because the, Lord, because the nations raised up an offense against the throne of God. Quite a mouthful, that. Jehovah Nisi. But commonly, when people have referred to it since then, they talk about the Lord is my banner. You know, that lifting up of the, of the staff and raising the hands. The Lord is my banner. So that's what we're going to zero into. You know, it's funny because even in this day and age, even in our sort of colloquial language, we, uh, we talk about, you know, you, you know a, a friend will say to you, I've got this covered, don't worry. You know. Or uh, they'll say, uh, you know, have you got my back? I've got this covered. Have you got my back? They'll talk about, you know, uh, a cover charge, you know, covering the thing. We, so we, we have a kind of colloquial understanding of something that blankets over. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that and, and, and fascinated really how this, this, this sense, this biblical sense, something buried, you know, in the middle of the scriptures, nonetheless has seeped out into our culture. Now, when I'm thinking about the Lord, my banner, I have to say to you, I, my, ten, my, my, my mind tends to go to Jesus, and in particular, John chapter 12, verse 32. Anybody want to earn a brownie point and tell me what that, what that is? Okay, I'll tell you. It's where Jesus himself says, when I am lifted up, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men and women to me. Wonderful verse. John 12, 32. When I am lifted up. And I have always felt that I wanted to lift up Jesus. That's what the Vineyard here in St. Albans is about. You know, I, I, it's been interesting going around other churches and stuff like that. You, you do kind of get a little bit isolated when you're a senior pastor here and you're sort of always doing stuff. But, you know... But when you start engaging with other churches, you realize there's an awful lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of people are going for this and going for that and going for the other, you know. And, and I think one of the most unique things, I was reminded of this, about John Wimber, the founder of this movement, was that at a time when people were burying themselves in the pastoral epistles, you know, and talking about the pastoral epistles, or when they were getting buried in some other thing, what John Wimber did was he talked about Jesus. And you know what, I remember as a curate with a dog collar, not knowing this would be long before I became part of the vineyard, going to a big conference where John Wimber was teaching. And I realized, I caught myself being almost embarrassed that he was teaching out of the Gospels about Jesus. Isn't that extraordinary? I felt, I, I sat there and I was listening to him. It was just a curate, my first job. I was thinking, well, you know, yeah, this is Sunday school stuff, bro. I was still sort of uh, wanting to be convinced, you know. And when the church gets too grown up to zero in on Jesus, we're getting a bit too clever for our clogs. You know, Jesus is our hero. He is our savior. He is our rescuer. We're all about Jesus. 
And if you want to tap into the source, if you're, one, if you're considering faith and religion, and if, you're, if, if for you at this moment it's about, do I want to be Catholic or do I want to do this or do the other? You know, all of that is a good conversation. But the main thing is, go to a church that makes Jesus the hero. Go to a church. Lift, where Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men and women to him. And if that's, a, if that's a PowerPoint, if you want to know the secret of St. Albans Vineyard, it's not that we chased after this thing or that thing or the other thing. It's we lift up Jesus. And as we lift up Jesus, so we've grown and known his favor. Which leads me on to this question. How many of you, okay, how many of you have found yourself asking the question at some point or other, why is this happening to me? Two, three. Come on, get those hands up. Look at that, a forest of hands. Why, even on the balcony up there. Why is this happening to me? I mean, I've done it, I'll put both hands up. Why is this happening to me? And I'm going to speak to that question. It's a question that even unbelievers sort of will ask. You know, why is this happening to me? And I may not have all the answers, but I'm going to give you what is my absolute best on this? Why is it happening to you? It may just be life. You know, Jesus himself said, in this life you will have trouble, but do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I have overcome the world. Jesus said that you will have peace that passes all understanding. You know, for a long time, I didn't understand that statement. But as I've grown older and as I've walked with Jesus, I have found that there is truth. I've found the truth in that. Because things can, you know, things can uh, just go really wrong. The wheel can really fall off your life. And yet, in the midst of it all, you've grown to that place where you're beginning to trust. That actually, as it says in the scriptures, all things work together for Christ. All things work together for good for those who love him. So as you keep looking to Jesus, so something may be going on in your life. There have been things that have happened in my life. And I thought, why? What, you know, what's that about? I think I've told you before that sometimes, you know, some nights I'll be brushing my teeth, staring in the mirror just before I go to bed. And I'll, I'll stop and I'll look at the mirror and I'll say to the Lord, Lord, was today really necessary? <laughs> huh? Ever had a day like that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Getting a few amens there. But there comes a point where, you know, where you stop sweating it. I mean, the last few years of being, I mean, serving as senior pastor here, I would say often to Jill Yon, our business manager, I don't know if Jill's in the house, but, you know, we'd talk, we'd talk about some great big problem, and then at the end of it, I would say, well, it is what it is. Let's work the problem. It is what it is. Let's work the problem. Whereas for the first 20 years, I'd go, Aah! the house is on fire. We're all going to die. <laughs> Anybody know that one? <laughs> and Fliss would look at me and go, really? But yeah, there comes a point it's where you begin to trust that actually there are things that you don't understand, and then by the grace of God, you do understand, and then other things that you don't understand, 
And you still understand it. You still don't get it. But it's like, whatever. I believe, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and I will trust in him. I will trust in him in daylight when I see it all and in darkness when I don't. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. So, question. You know, why is this happening to me? I actually had a guy at the end of last service, this is absolutely true, he came up to me, and I don't know him very well, and suddenly he pulled out his shirt and he lifted up his shirt like that, and I thought, what is he doing? And there was a t-shirt underneath, and it said, why is this happening to me? I mean, he was totally bowled over, it's the absolute truth. And so let me give you my possibility, my best at this. Why is this happening to you? And by, I, I, I just want to say and ask this question. Have you got the covering of God? Is God covering your life? Has he got you covered? Now maybe you've been a Christian for years. Maybe you're still thinking about it and all points in between. But there is something in the scripture that really strongly suggests that it is possible to know about God but not live under his covering and alternatively to know God and live with his covering. It's actually a very important question I'm asking you. It's a fundamental question. It's a, actually is a a life or death question. You know, in the Old Testament, again, I said I'd mention this, when the Israelites, the Hebrews, as they were known then, were in captivity in Egypt, a slave nation, the Lord God revealed himself to Moses in the desert and said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to say, let my people go. Now, Moses wasn't particularly excited about that. Long story short, he goes. He goes to see Pharaoh, he says, let my people go, and predictably, Pharaoh is not very excited about that. And so the Lord instructs Moses to deliver another message, and that is that God is going to discipline him, God is going to chastise him, to use an old word. God is going to send a series of plagues upon Pharaoh in order for him to let uh, you know, let the Hebrews go. And after every plague, it's as if Pharaoh relents for a moment. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, that's terrible. Yeah, please take these frogs away, these flies away, these whatever these things are away. Take them away, and I'll let them go. And then the plague passes, and he goes, no, I won't. Nah, not going to do it. The tenth plague is the most terrible. The tenth plague is where Moses says to Pharaoh, unless you let my people go, I will destroy the firstborn males out of your flocks, your herds, and your families. The firstborn male. And the scripture says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh listened and said, nah. You ain't going to do that. No. Get out of my sight. 
Absolutely not. You have offended me. And he tells Moses to say to the children of Israel, he says, on a particular night, I want you to be ready to move. You're going to be leaving. Be ready to go. The little ones, the older ones. And I want you to have a meal in preparation for a journey. It can't be a feast. It's going to be a traveler's meal. And he prescribed what the meal was. But part of this uh, journey preparation was that they would sacrifice a young lamb and they, they would take the blood from the lamb and they would sprinkle it over the doorways, up the doorposts and over the doorways. And then when the angel of death came upon Egypt that night, the angel of death would pass over the Hebrew households that had this banner of blood, this covering over them. It was a dark, dreadful, terrible night. And the weeping and the wailing throughout Egypt has not been heard since. Anyway, that sense that this precious lamb, and you see the prophetic element in there, Jesus who is referred to as the Lamb of God, whose life protects others, this, this banner, this covering was a measure, was a matter of life and death. And the blessing of God here in the 21st century will determine how you live your life and the favor or otherwise that is experienced over your life. I want to read you now uh, the blessing, and some of you will find this familiar because the blessing is uh, something that we pray over everybody at the end of this service. And if not, the actual numbers six blessing, which we are going to look at in just a moment, something very akin to it. And uh, for 30 odd years, we have prayed this over the people. And not just done it because it's a religious way of ending the service and it makes it all seem to hang together, but we're doing something very specific and very deliberate. So let me read you it. I think it'll come up on the screen too. And uh, I hope you'll notice something. So verse 22 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons... This is how you are to bless the Israelites. This is God's blessing. This is a gift to the priests, their sons, and all who would impart a blessing. And this is the form of blessing that God wants them to pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now verse 27, the next verse, is not usually read. But mark this and you will understand the intentionality behind us praying a blessing over you. And the Lord says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. In other words, when you, the priests, pray that over the people, 
I, the Lord God Jehovah, will place my covering on them and I will bless them. Now, two things, two qualifications. First of all, for those of us who are in faith, if we, uh, who are part of the faith, if we don't approach that with faith, well, it's not going to bring that blessing alive. You see, faith activates the blessing. Faith activates the blessing. You know, if you just say, oh yeah, that's a nice way of, of, uh, of finishing the service, it's a good sign because I know I, wanna, I need to get away because I've got to pop into Morrison's to get a barbecue chicken and then whip back because the family's coming around. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you come into that moment, if you approach that moment, and I know many of you do because you stand there and I see it, you know, when I prayed it and I see your hands go out and I, you know what's happening. God is reaffirming his commitment to you but, uh, and blessing you. If you approach that with a faith and an expectation that God is as good as his word, that God's going to follow that through, then you will begin to know the blessing of God. The second thing I wanted to, to say is this. What thwarts the, bless, the blessing of God? Now, obviously, if you're an unbeliever, you know, if, if, if you're not in that place yet where you've accepted Christ as your Savior, well, then you're in a place of, of, of and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, you're in a place of ignorance. And you're just, you know, doing the best to make it up as you go along. But for those of you who have come into relationship with Christ, certain things can hijack us. And the favor of God can lift. And he has to lift. Let me explain. You know, sometimes when we uh, are disobedient, or when my kids were disobedient, I would have to discipline them. Was it my favorite thing to do? No, it wasn't. If you're a parent, you or a guardian, you will know that disciplining your children is one of the hardest things you do. Yeah? Anybody want to agree with me? It's not fun. But even when I disciplined them, I would console myself with the fact that this was just something that needed to be done. But actually, my vision for them extended beyond that moment. It didn't mean that, oh, you know, when, when, when uh, Sam or Noel or Jesse or Sophie, my children, when they... Uh, needed my discipline, I didn't think, oh, well, that's it with them. Blow that for a lark. I didn't turn my back on them. Yes, I disciplined them. But the truth of the matter, I have always had vision for them. I have always prayed for them beyond that moment of discipline. I've always, you know, longed for them and yearned for them, as indeed Fliss, as indeed every parent here. And I've always felt... I've always longed that my, my children would, would um, you know, excel and exceed my experiences and expectations uh, and, and partake in the kingdom in ways that I just didn't think possible. Always wanted that. But in that moment, there's a moment of discipline. Now, if you are in sin, if you are a believer and you are in sin... Maybe you're saying that classic thing, well, God understands, you know, 
I just got to do this thing. This is, you know, it's, it's a thing, you know. Me and God have got an understanding. It's a thing. If you're kind of negotiating with God and if, you, if you're inclined to say, well, God and I got a bit of an understanding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. You are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. And you will not know the blessing and favor of God's presence. You will not know that. Why? Because God is holy. And out of love for you, he steps back. He hides his face from you. Why? Because if a holy God comes into the presence of the unholy, what loses out? Unholiness. Unholiness, the unrighteous, is burnt to a crisp, to use picture language. God cannot say like some you know, bad parent might, oh, it doesn't matter. I know I said don't do this, and you've done it, oh, blow it. You know, I can't be bothered. You know, God does not do that. If God was as he would long to embrace you, if God was to do that, and you'd say, well, I want him to do that, the truth of the matter, if he comes into your presence, you fry. So God out of love for you until such a day when everything is wrapped up. God withdraws and you begin to say things like, why is this happening to me? Why? Now thank God that our God, our Jesus, our hero is a rescuer. That's what he does. He's many other things, and I'm sure we'll do a series about you know, who, God, you know, who Jesus is and his name, but, but the truth of the matter, he is our savior. He is our savior. And everyone here needs a savior. We need to be rescued. It's not something he does on the side. Jesus didn't become a baby, didn't go to the cross, wasn't risen from the dead, didn't go to heaven just because he's got a little sideline, a thing going on the side called salvation. That was the thing. He comes to save. He comes to redeem, to buy back from the enemy's clutches over you. He comes to do that. That's the good news. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you are doing... that causes you to walk in the shadows again of God's love, God is just waiting. He's waiting for you to return. He's like the parents, and some of you will be able to relate to, relate to this, whose teenage daughter, age 14, is still out and it's two in the morning. And he's pacing up and down, waiting to hear the, the latch go. Alternately thinking, I'll kill her. And... Oh my gosh, my baby. I'll kill her. Oh my gosh, my baby. Well, God's not thinking I'll kill you. He's just waiting for you. Like the prodigal son to come to his senses and come home to the father. It's tough doing life without God. It's even tougher doing life when you've known God and you're not walking in righteousness. So the blessing of God, though, the blessing of God, the banner, the covering that he wants to put on us is intricate and, and all-compassing. Let's just 
unpack it, albeit briefly. So uh, the blessing of God, let's just read through this again. The Lord bless you and keep you. Power and protection. Power and protection. The Lord bless you. Power and protection. The Lord gives us power. And I'm not actually talking about Acts 2 Pentecostal type power. That's part of God's toolkit. That's part of the fun. The power he's really talking about here is the power to walk in the light instead of darkness. You see, when you are, when you are living in sin, it, it is so difficult to break free of it. I, I don't know if anybody of you saw this, but my heart broke. There is a series on TV, probably Channel 4, I can't think what it is, just started this week, where, they are, where the camera crew is following four heroin addicts. Uh, around, and, and anybody see that program? Well, I wouldn't recommend it. It's pretty earthy, but, but the thing that broke my heart was that every single one of them talked about the nightmare of being an addict. One of them described it as suicide by installments. Two of them, and this really broke my heart, were so full of shame, they were saying, and they were, they were saying what I, th I think they think the rest of society is thinking. They were saying, oh, I know, it's so stupid, and it, you know, I'm so, such a failure, I'm so useless, and you know, I, I, I'm going to get clean one day, and I, you know, I know, I mean, who, who in their right mind would, would do this to themselves? I know, I mean, they were beating themselves up big time, beating themselves up. The power that God gives in Christ through that cross is to share in his victory over sin. There may be days when we fall back, but that's what it's about. Power of protection. Verse 25, presence and provision. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine on you. May you know his smile instead of his scowl, his frown, or worse still, his absence. May you know the warmth of his smile. You know, the, 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 yesterday I was tinkering with my car, and as I, uh, as I ha have this habit, every time somebody walks past my house, I always say, hi, good morning. Lots of conversations have come out about that. They, they probably think I'm a village idiot, you know, because I'm the bloke who sort of talks to everyone. But, um, but this, yesterday morning, a woman was walking past, walking a dog. I didn't, hadn't, didn't recognize her. And uh, she, she looked... Very engrossed. I didn't actually inspect, expect her a response. Her head was down. She was walking along, sort of, not scowling, but she was obviously deep in thought. And I'm sort of polishing the car or something. I said, hi there, good morning. And she looked up and she beamed. Her face lit up. I mean, there's a lady there smiling at me. Her face, all these faces. Your face lights up. Can you imagine what it's like when God smiles upon you, when his face lights up, when you're close enough to experience the smile of God, where no sin is shading your face, or so, uh, it's just the most wonderful of experiences. Verse 26. 
the Lord turn his face towards you. There's the smile, but you know, you can, like that lady did, she was walking the dog and she just went smile and that was lovely. But to actually turn towards you, to draw close and to enjoy and to know the presence of God in your life, the presence of God, presence and provision, prosperity and promotion. You know, promotion is an interesting one. Uh, We in the West, particularly in England, if you have the sort of British take on um, uh, our national uh, disposition, we struggle with the idea of promotion. Uh, That is a very English thing. That's why we're so hard on our leaders. I'm not saying that there aren't things to be concerned about, but... You know, anybody who steps up or, you know, they're in for a rough ride. Uh, tell me about it. But the truth of the matter is that God actually calls some to lead. Actually, you know, so humility is agreeing with God whatever the call of God is. And if God calls you to be a gatekeeper, to use biblical language, if God calls you to something uh, of a more humble disposition, agree with him. You know, I remember when we moved, I've told you this before, when we moved into this place, on Sundays people were slapping me on the back and saying, great job, Chris, brilliant, blah, 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 fantastic. You know, we'd been meeting in a school, some of you were there, and we moved into this place. It was just incredible. But Monday through Saturday... I was cleaning toilets, as indeed all the leaders were, because we had completely underestimated and misunderstood what it would be to, uh, what, what it would take to maintain a 22,000 square foot building. We've got closer to 55 now, so you can imagine. But at then, you know, we just didn't know. And so there would be all the Sunday stuff and all oh, great stuff, and then everybody would disappear, and then we would be left cleaning the loose. And at that point, I can remember thinking, I'm so great, why aren't they helping me clean the toilets, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then the Lord just said, having fun. (laughs) And the Lord is Jesus. And Jesus said, I came to wash feet, Chris. No servant is greater than his master. Deal with it. Okay, Lord. And we did deal with it. And after a while, when all the staff were threatening to resign, we hired somebody to help us, you know. (laughs) But in that moment, that's what to be senior pastor of St. Albans Vineyard meant. Cleaning loo's. And we've got a lot of loos in this place. Not just there, but up there and you name it. Whatever God calls you to, humility is to agree with that. He may call you to a hidden service somewhere. He may call you to greatness. I remember Mark and Steph, you know... uh, For years, Fliss and myself wondered, 
about Mark. In fact, Richard and I had conversations about him. But every time I even broached it with him, Mark would say, no, 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 no. Not for me, bro. I'll serve, you know, I'm serving in this way and that way. And Mark, seriously, did just about flipping everything in this church except stoke the boilers. And the only reason he didn't stoke the boilers is we haven't got a boiler to stoke, you know. And then last year, Trevor and Maria and Fliss and myself were on holiday and the phone rings and we're having a nice glass of wine in this lovely French sort of chateau place and, and it's Mark and he says, Chris, I've got some good news for you. I remember very clearly he said, we're going to leave our nets because Mark is a very successful businessman. We're going to leave our nets, our business and follow Jesus. Yes! Now, I'm sure he had people that said to him, because I had people that said to me, because I, I was in business, had a jewelry business, it was successful. My best friend at the day, well, my second best friend at the day, he came over to see us when we'd moved into Leeds. And he, we, walked, we were walking around, walking the dog around this big estate that we were on. And he said, and he swore, but he said, effectively, you must be mad. It was not the words he used. And I never saw him again. I never even, I never even heard from him again. As you know, my, my, my father-in-law cut us out of the will. It was so counter to what the world sees as success. But at some point, Jesus just got us so much, just as he got Mark and Steph. And we knew that we would be being grossly disobedient if we did not press on in to take our place of some profile and prominence as he had decreed in the church of God. Whether it's a humble thing or a big thing, humility is to agree with God. Prosperity and promotion, and finally, and give you peace. And give you peace. Is that silence? Not necessarily. Is that an absence of difficulty? No, not necessarily. Is that an absence of conflict? No. In fact, if anything, there seems to be more conflict. It's the peace that Jesus speaks of. The peace, is peace that passes all of the world's understanding. It's a peace that comes from being in touch with the King of Kings and having him dwell within you, having the center of the universe, the one who is high and lifted up, coming to live with you. John actually says in his gospel, in his gospel he says, those who obey my word, my Father will come to live with them and make them his home. After that, believe me, whatever hassle comes your way is of secondary importance. So I ask you, Do you have the covering of God? Jehovah Nisi. Is he your banner? Some of you, that is the case. Truly, I can see it on your faces. And that's where it's meant to be. And gosh, this would be a pretty scary face if none of you were actually uh, enjoying the favor and presence of God. But for some of you, this question has been a little unsettling. For some of you, it may have even shed a little light into your haziness, the shadows that you currently feel. 
and you've realized that actually, for whatever reason, through lack of faith, through apathy, through, through whatever, you've stepped out of that place, and it's pretty drafty. So I'm going to invite you all to stand now. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And without the assistance that a little mood music would give me, in the cold, hard light of day, if we can call that this, this, that, I'm going to say to you, if what I have said has resonated with you, if you're not sure that currently you're enjoying the favor, the blessing, the covering of God, I'm going to ask you to humble yourself, not to humiliate you, but to literally come and join me down the front here. And I'm going to ask you to do it now. Thank you. If you're in the middle of a row, you might have to say to somebody, excuse me, I just want to slip up the front. I hope that everybody that remains is sure that they are enjoying the favor of God. And God forbid that you leave this place and drive down towards the end of the estate thinking, I know I should have gone forward. Why didn't I go forward? That was stupid of me. If there's any doubt, if you're feeling a little indifference from God, you need to come down the front here. Bless you. I'm just going to wait a moment or two. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do in a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little instruction on how to receive the blessing of God. And I'm also going to pray this prayer over you. And I want, to, I want you to muster up whatever you can muster in terms of faith. I have faith. But for this to really work, it'll help if you came with a little bit of faith in Jesus. That when I pray this prayer, because his word says so, that you will be blessed. Some of you are disqualifying yourself. Some of you are saying, I'm too unworthy. I'm too messed up. I'm not just a victim. I'm a victimizer. You know, whatever the, the script is, that's just the enemy crowding out so that you can... Uh, so that you will be prevented from receiving from him. Now, because of the Lord has just said this to me, I love the way that you've come down and you've knelt down. I love that. I love the way you've just come and knelt. That is the right way to come before the risen Lord. Absolutely is. But now this is from the Lord. He's been waiting to hear the click, the latch rise. And any thoughts of anger towards you have dissipated. And his heart is just thrilled and joyful that you have come home at last. And so the Lord says, you're not servants, you're my sons, you're my daughters. Just stand up now. Stand up, everybody. If you're kneeling, just stand up. I'm not playing games with you here. There's something prophetic about this. Now, I'm going to pray this blessing. And I, I believe, because I've seen this a zillion times before, that God's blessing will come upon you. 
and you will begin to know God's favor. So the blessing is this. Dear friends, children, brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the Lord says, as you pray that prayer, I will put my name on my children and I will bless them. Receive the blessing of God. Receive the blessing of God. Receive the blessing of God. Now guys, just stay there. I'm going to hand over to Cheeto. We're going to sing our last song together but that doesn't mean to say you've got to stop you can sing it or you can just stay in this posture and your posture is right this is how you receive you come before a loving God expecting his forgiveness based on what Jesus has done with hands upturned ready to receive that blessing of the Holy Spirit so Cheeto, thank you. Let's all sing this song.